Welcome. This is Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. We want to thank you for taking time to listen to our Sun, Salt, and Light broadcast. We want you to know and grow in the Son, S-O-N, Jesus Christ, and be the salt and the light. We'd like to thank you so much for taking time to listen to this broadcast. We simply teach the Bible verse by verse and chapter by chapter, and we believe that God changes a life one verse at a time. I'd like to personally invite you out to come and see the church. Uh, it is a very casual atmosphere, and uh, but we do take the Word of God very seriously. We meet in a non-traditional church building. We actually meet at the BFW 3966 in Divine, Texas. It's located at 211 West College Avenue, big white building right next to the post office. Our service times are on Sunday when we go through the New Testament uh, at 10 a.m. And then on Wednesday nights at 6.30 p.m. we go through the Old Testament. Uh, We have children's ministry available for both services. And if you need to get more information on the church, you can go to calvarydivine.org. Today, if you have your Bible ready, we'll be in the book of Mark, chapter 16, verses 1 through 20, as we continue this verse-by-verse study. The title of this sermon is, Full Send, Tell Them About Jesus. Here's the first half of this two-part study. All right, so we're going to be in Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 20. Um, I entitled this, Full Send, Go and Tell Them About Jesus. Full Send, meaning everybody goes. It's a command that we're all commanded to go out and share the gospel. We'll look at it in three parts, uh, in verses 1 through 8, seen. In verses 9 through 13, share. And in verses 14 through 20, sent. So last week we, we dealt with uh, a couple of things. We, we had the women that were very faithful and um, their passion for Jesus. We, we saw that in the scriptures as we went uh, over them as they remained with Jesus all the way through the burial. And it's going to continue this week as we, as we look at them in, in scriptures this week as well. Um, but we also had the, the two super secret Christians that, that came out of the closet, so to say, uh, the, 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 the super secret Sanhedrin, uh, Joseph of Arimathea, who actually was a follower who loved Christ, but uh, when he requested the body of, of Jesus from Pilate, at that point, anything that he had, wealth, title, it was all gone, all of it. And, and so um, the, the, the next one was Nicodemus, uh, who was uh, we would, uh, who came and, and met with Jesus at nighttime because he didn't want to be seen meeting with Jesus. But he actually did the preparation and the, um, prepared the body uh, according to the law uh, of uh, the Jews uh, to uh, prepare the body for Jesus' burial. And so at that point, once they were seen taking care of Jesus, they were no longer part of the Sanhedrin, and no longer a Pharisees. They were followers of Jesus. And, and we should be known as well. And so when we get into these scriptures today, we're going to be uh, looking at some very important uh, pieces of, of scripture. One of it, uh, our first point is seen in verses 1 through 8. It says, Now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices, and that, uh, that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. What I love about that piece of scripture is, is the, the, the time that they show up is actually very early. It's 6 a.m. in the morning as sun breaks. 
They're there. They, they, they were with Jesus all the way till the burial. And here they are, first thing in the morning, wanting to be with, with Christ. In Psalm 5, verse 3, it says, My voice ye shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning I will direct it to you, and I will look up. You know, I woke up this, this morning at 2.40 or 2.17, whenever that baby started screaming. I don't know, sometimes it's just a natural after having five kids. You just And so I was like, okay, I'm up. Let me start praying for my wife. Start praying for Sarah, because and the girls, they're all going to be doing worship at the, uh, at the women's thing. Let me pray that my daughter gets sleep. You know, it's like you, 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 you want to seek Christ. It should be the first thing you do in the morning. Even if it's just prayer. If you don't get to your reading till later, but you should at least pray. Like, Lord, how do you want to intervene in my day? How do you want to, to, to show up and, and, and let me live for you? Like, we're, we're, that's not where a lot of Christians are at today. They're just like disgruntled. Like things, my life is not going the way that I want, and I'm done. I'm not worshiping. I'm not going to open the Word. I start my day. I just start my day. And it's like for me as, as a believer, one of the things that I know is like I want God to lead my day. And it should be that way for you as well. If you call yourself a follower of Christ, it should be that way. In verse 3 it says, And they said among, among themselves, Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? <laughs> this is such a beautiful piece of Scripture because, you know, it's just a piece of stone. But they're going knowing, like, look, it doesn't matter. I need to be with Jesus. I need to be with Jesus. They left him at the burial, and now they, they have no idea how this, this stone is going to be rolled away. They can't do it. But they were committed to going. They had the, the, the spices. Salome had the spices, and that was because the body would decompose, and they would put the spices in there to keep down the smell. They were still trying to serve Jesus even as they thought he was dead, yet they don't know he was resurrected. They're still trying to serve their focus was on Christ. They've been with Him for years and, and they've spent time with Jesus and all they want to do is be with Christ. But we know that that tomb was sealed in Matthew chapter 27 in verses 62 through 66. We didn't go over this last week because it wasn't in the book of Mark, but we need to today. It says, On the next day, which uh, followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered together to the pilot saying, Sir, we remember while he was still alive how the deceiver said, After three days I will rise. You know, there's something very important to catch out of that. The religious remembered that Jesus was going to rise. The Christians missed it. The disciples missed it. And I'm, I'm afraid that's what it is for a lot of us, is we're just missing it. Like, they knew, the religious leaders knew, he's going to rise in three days. But all the disciples who had heard it time and time again forgot Therefore command that the tomb may be secure until the third day, lest his disciples come by day and steal him away, and say to the people, He has risen from the dead. So, let, uh, so the uh, last deception will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, you have, you have a guard, go your way, make it secure as you know how. So they went away and made the tomb secure, sealing the stone and setting the guard. Now, very important this piece of scripture is because there were guards that were set and the tomb that was sealed, if the guards had fallen asleep, 
they would face capital, capital punishment. They would have been killed. If they would have broken the tomb, because you know how military guys are. Hey, come here, man. Let's go look at the dead body. That's how we are. I don't know why we get that way, but let's roll the stone. Let's, let's, let's go inside and take a look. If we do that and break the seal, it's capital punishment. You would be killed. So they wouldn't have broken the seal. But one of the things that we, we, we have to get from this is the women were going because the stone had not even been rolled away, but they had no concern that the stone had not been rolled away. They weren't worried about yesterday. And they're definitely not worried about tomorrow. And as we follow Jesus, what we need to focus on is today. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 and 34, it says, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You see why you start your day? Because you have trouble every day. The enemy comes after you every day. Every day. You know, we were talking about, it was, it was crazy, because we were just talking about the, in Genesis, and, and one of the things that I, I, I wish that somebody would have told me before I got married, right? We were looking at Genesis, and it talks about how the, the wife would want to rule over the husband. And, and I'm like, if I would have just known going into my marriage that there was going to be conflict right off the bat, before you even put the ring on the finger. Because that's what the fall did. Satan comes after the, the marriages like that. And I was like, man, my marriage was a mess. And I'm thinking to myself, man, you know, we walked into it and we were already, we already had into a minefield we went before we ever walked into it. And I would worry about yesterday and I would worry about tomorrow. And I spent a lot of my time worrying. And, and what we get from this is from these women, it's a great lesson, is they're not worrying about what's going to happen with the stone. They're just going to Jesus. And that should be a great reminder for us is that we should be doing the same. They're still wanting to serve Jesus. And that's why when, when chaos strikes a family member or our business seems like it's going under, just seek Jesus. When our marriage is in trouble, when our kids are driving us crazy, just seek Jesus. Don't worry about what's going to happen with them tomorrow. Focus on today. Seek Christ today. The Apostle Paul shared something in the book of Acts, which I love. He says in Acts chapter 20, verses 24, But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy in the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. He's like, look, I just want to finish the race. I just want to continue to share Christ. That's, that's what I want to do. That's where my joy is. And that should be the same for us as well. In verse 4 it says, But when they looked up, they saw the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. I love that, that Mark puts that, it was very large in there. It was a large stone. It would not have been able to have been moved by... Uh, by, by the ladies, um, it, would have been, it would have taken a couple of Roman guards to move the stone. But one of the things that I hope you catch in that is it said, but when they looked up. Too many of us are focused on the horizontal, the world. We're not looking up. We look at, when we look at the horizontal, meaning we look at the world, we're looking in defeat. When I look up and I know that Jesus has been resurrected, there's victory in that. 
It tells us in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, this is probably one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things on the earth. We're too focused and focused on the things of the earth. We are. We are. I, I, you know, we've seen it over the last couple of years. Everybody got focused on the things of the world, focused on politics, focused on social justice, focused on, on pandemics, on conspiracies, all that stuff we got focused on. And the whole time we were supposed to be looking up. Instead of Christians pointing people to Christ, we were pointing them to the news articles of the day. I'm, I'm just as much to blame. I think when it first started, I was upset. I was not happy. And, and, I, and I, had, I, had, I had to have a heart check. I had started focusing on the things that were vertical, I mean, or horizontal. And, and, and I took my, my sight off the, the things that are above, the things that, that Christ wanted to focus on. We have to start focusing on Christ. You know what I love, too, is that God removed the barrier Whatever thing is going on in your life, God can remove it. He'll roll the stone away. Like we think this, this unforgiveness, this hurt, this, uh, this, this pain of this death that I'm going through, that God can't remove that stone away and repair it. He can. We know, in, we know that the, the stone, if we look at Matthew again in Matthew 28, we know how the stone was removed. In Matthew 28, verses 2 through 4, it says, And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was, light, was like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. And the guards shook for, uh, for fear of him and became like dead men. So the Roman guards, they're out. They're like, I'm, they're scared. They're done. And, and, and we know that the stone is removed to let people in to see that Jesus is no longer there. He's been risen. He's been resurrected. God removed the obstacle for the women. The Roman guards are gone, and the stone is, is too heavy for them to remove, but God removed it for the women so they could come in. In verse 5, it says, In entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were armed. alarmed. This was a, uh, an angel. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You see Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him, as he said to you. So they went out quickly and fled from the tomb, for they trembled and were amazed, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid." So the first thing we get is, is uh, he tells them to go and tell. That's such an important thing. It's like you are to go and tell people about Christ. Go and tell. You know, at, at the end of the day, that's one of the things that, that I love is in that piece of Scripture. He says, go and tell his disciples and who? Peter. What did we read about just a few chapters ago? Peter fell. He was supposed to be praying with Jesus. He fell asleep. Jesus told him, be careful because you're going to fall into temptation. And sure enough, he sinned. But Peter's not done in the ministry. Peter's not done as a follower of Christ. 
He's not done with them. He's like, go tell Peter. The angel says, go get Peter too. Let Peter know. And I love that. It, it's, it's a reminder to us that, that God, no matter what we're going through, God is not done with us. We are fumbling and bumbling through our lives. And you're going to say something, do something, and, and you're going to fall. But the question is, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Are you going to get up and repent? And turn back to Christ and start walking again with the Lord. Too many Christians, they, they fall into sin and then they just walk away. There's a divide that starts to happen, a division that starts to happen, a drifting that starts to happen. And we know that Mark had told us three times that he was going to be resurrected. And remember, the religious leaders remembered, but they forgot. In Mark chapter 10, verse 33 and 34, it says, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and deliver him to the Gentiles, and they will mock him and scourge him and spit on him and kill him. And on the third day he will rise again. It's important for us to remember that he is risen, and we are to go and tell. We are to let people know. Now before we get into our next Verses 9 through 20, i got to go over something. And and I want to make sure we get this, because I remember the first time I heard this, it threw me off. Uh, Verses 9 through 20. Some of you in your Bible may have like an italic uh, with a commentary that may be there. Some of you may have, it may be in all italics. Um, And so what happens uh, with verses 9 through 20 is some of the Bible versions may not have it and some do. And I'll explain to you why. Uh, There are three points that are usually made in the argument when they look at verses 9 through 20. One of them would be the historical perspective, the other would be the grammatical perspective, and the other would be the theological perspective. And uh, one of the things I want to make sure before we get into any of this is God's word is inerrant, it's without error, and there's verses 9 through 20 are there for a reason. They don't contradict anything in the Bible. And, and so it's, it's important for us as we look at this, and our first point is we look at the historical. The thing is, is they had discovered manuscripts from uh, uh, Vaticanus and, and, and Sinaiticus uh, that were discovered. Uh, and those manuscripts did not have these verses in it. But if you go back to, and this is why I trust it, is because Pappus, who was actually a disciple of John, had it in his in 100 A.D. It was written in his manuscript. So when you look at the historical, first thing I look at is, what if I can see that there was a disciple that was with John and it's in there, and that one, I'm good. There's really nothing else I need to argue about it. Then you have the grammatical. This is a funny one because you can do this with any book. The grammatical says that 17 words, these 17 words are not used in the book of Mark anywhere. Well, guess what? I can do that with anything. That's, that's an argument that doesn't float. Because I can take the verse 8 verses that we went through, and those, those words aren't used in the book of Mark. Some of those aren't used. And so that's, that's not really an argument. The other would be the theological approach. And this is where we have to be careful. Because we have to remember that there are people that still believe that Jesus Christ is the only way that you have to repent of your sins, you ask Christ into your heart, you believe in the resurrection, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit, right? 
But they believe that those verses don't go because they don't believe in the Spirit of God moving the way that it did in the early church. So you have some major commentary authors who don't have it in their Bibles. And, and, and it's because it has nothing to do. One of those guys attacked Pastor Chuck after he had passed away. And, and uh, you know, talked about how the Holy Spirit wasn't moving the same way. And I, I don't agree with that. And so with the, with the, the, the theological perspective is, is what you deal with is you deal with them saying that we don't believe that the gifts of the spirits operate that way today. And so they just discard it. And that's, that's not true either. If we look at the theological argument of it, there are three of the early church fathers, Justin Martyr, Tatine, and, and Irenus, all quoted the last half of Mark's gospel. They're all been, it's all there. So, with that being said, I want to make sure I went over that because if you got the italics in there or it's not in your, your version, I want to make sure you understand that God's word is inerrant. It's without error. Everything that needs to be in it is in it. Let's get to our second point. Now let's get to verse 9. Uh, verse 9 says, Now when he arose early on the first day of the, of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom... He had cast seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. And when they heard that he was alive he had, uh, and had been seen by her, they did not believe. So he chooses Mary, Mary Magdalene, as, as the first. And the first witness of the resurrection, right? But um, they do exactly what they were told to do, which is to go and tell. Unfortunately, they didn't believe. Right, but they did what they were told to do by the angels. Go and tell them. In Luke 24, verses 10 through 12, it says, It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles, and their words seemed to, uh, <laughs> seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb, and stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves, and he departed marveling to himself at what had happened. I love that because that's typical of a man. It, we're hard-headed. Sometimes we have to hear it three, four times. And that's what's going to happen to these men. They're going to have to hear it a few times until eventually Jesus is just going to have to appear to them. But he, it says they seem like idle tales. Ah, man, I, I'm not sure. You probably saw something else. <laughs> that's what they're, they're just kind of like, that's, we, we don't agree with what you're saying. But they go and check it out. And Peter goes, and I love that, in John chapter 20, verses 3 through 10, it says, Peter therefore went out, and the other disciples, and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together, and the other, tomb, uh, other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first, which is John. John's got some speed. Uh, and he stooping down and looking in saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, now lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in its place by itself. Then the other disciples, uh, disciple who came uh, to the tomb first went in also, and he saw and believed, for as, it, uh, as yet they did not know the Scripture. He must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went, uh, went away again to their own homes. That's very important, that verse in verse 9. For as yet they did not know the Scripture. They didn't know the Scripture. They didn't remember that Jesus had told them, Hey, I'm going <laughs> to rise. Uh, 
And, and it's important for us to, for, that we know the Scripture. That we, we have an understanding of it. Our foundation is built upon our, our, our walk and our relationship with Christ. It's not a religion. Don't treat it like a religion. Oh, I have to be at church. It's, that's not how it works. Let me tell you, if, you, if you're going to do that, where you go, well, i got to be at church. They're, they're going to church. I have to go to church. Man, it's, you, that's a hard heart. It is a relationship. You, you get to be and, and come to worship Christ. Like, like the Savior of the world, the, the, the person who created everything, God the Father and God the Son is saying, I want to be with you. And yet you're like, man, my life is too important. I ain't got time for all that. I don't need to know the Scripture. I've already said the prayer. That's not how it works. It tells you very simply that, that in Scripture it says that your repentance should do what? Bear fruit. Bear fruit. How do I know if you're walking with Christ? You're bearing fruit. Why do you want to be with a resurrected Christ and stay in your old life? What's the point? The disciples all leave. And they go back to their homes. But Mary remains. And man, if, if there is anything that you get from the Scripture today, you need to ask yourself, do I have the faith that these women have? They stayed for the crucifixion. The disciples were gone. They stayed for the burial. The disciples were gone. And here they are. Can't roll the stone away, but I'm, I'm going to get to my Jesus. Now the stone's rolled away. I've been told Jesus is alive. I'm going to tell. They do exactly what they're told. Then they come back. They go, but who stays? Mary. In John 20, verse 14, it says, Now when she said... Uh, she had said these things, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and, they, and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She supposing him to be a gardener and said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Do you know what I love about that? Jesus, the Son of God, who came to serve, not be served, who is he seen as? A gardener. Like this was his whole time here on earth is he just served everyone and who does she see a gardener and jesus said to her mary and she turned and said rabboni which is teacher jesus said to her do not cling to me for i have not ascended to my father but go my brethren and say to them i am ascending to my father and your father and to my god and your god so mary remained but now mary is going to have to go and tell them and so mary in verse 10 she went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. They still don't believe. Can you imagine the great joy that you just saw Jesus? And, and you're going to tell people and you have this great joy. And they look at you and they're like, do you understand that's how it is for us as Christians? Sometimes we do something or we go, let me tell you something. I know when I give those gifts to those little kids that there's going to be joy on their face. And I may come and tell you, man, it was such a blessing to, to, to give kids these gifts. It was, I, I, I was blessed. And you'll have somebody go, Shh, in disbelief. <coughs> we can be that way when we think about the work of the Lord. Our hearts can get hard on it. That's why we're all supposed to be serving. We're all supposed to, to, to have a place. And, and I've told you all this before. I mean, we, we were short today, Court and Donna. 
Donna's in the hospital, and y'all need to continue to keep praying for her. And then Tony and Flora are out of town. And, and so we've been, we were shorthanded today. So that's why I was up here doing sound like I used to do. I don't mind doing that stuff. But at the end of the day, it's like we all have a place where we can serve either at church, but you can serve the community. You don't have to serve in the church. I don't know when that became a thing. I would rather you be in the community. You're going to reach more people in the community. You can go tell people about Jesus in the community more than you can in this building. Because most of you know Christ. You're just preaching to the choir. I would like to thank you for taking time to listen to our broadcast. This is uh, Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. If you're someone like me who is, uh, listens to a lot of podcasts, you can also listen to us on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Audible, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Pretty much wherever you can find a podcast, just type in Calvary Chapel uh, Divine and you'll, you'll be able to track us down. And lastly, I just wanted to invite you out to church. Uh, we are a casual church that meets in a non-traditional building, uh, meaning that we meet at the VFW 3966 on West College Avenue, big white building right next to the the post office. Uh, If you want to get more information about our church, if you need to ask uh, some questions or you even need prayer, just go to calvarydivine.org. And uh, we want to thank you again just for listening to this broadcast of Calvary Chapel Divine Texas, Sun, Salt, and Light Radio. God bless you. Have a good one.